Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Man, we exist to make Jesus famous. And people go, well, isn't Jesus already famous? No, because people are still going to hell. And here's the problem. They know a church Jesus and sometimes not a real Jesus. Because sometimes, unfortunately, there's a difference. Um, if you try to make Jesus uh, like spit and polished, you got the wrong guy. Uh, like, like, dude's first miracle was at the wedding of Cana. Some jars into like 280 bottles of wine. Shut the front door. Here's the thing, man. Jesus came, and I find it ironic that His first miracle was at a party. And I think it's just revealing one side of Jesus. Jesus like, look, I came to make your life and the party better. Um, so, man, we're in a series called We're That Church. Um, so our church sometimes gets... We went from being what church? Uh, when we first started, they were like, who are you talking about? You know, the little coffee church. And, and now they're like, oh, you're, you're that church. Um, so if you're new, first of all, welcome. Second thing is, um, here are the things we've gotten in trouble for. We talked about them last week. Um, so during the pandemic, in case you missed it, there was a pandemic. Um, uh, originally, they were calling it the coronavirus. And so I'm one of those people, I'm good till I'm not good. But when I'm not good, like I'm really not good. Like all my type A people know exactly what I'm talking about. Like when you hit your done point, you're done. So on a whim, I called our t-shirt company like the night before we were supposed to shoot because back then everybody was recording. And um, I, we made these shirt shirts for Easter and it said, I'm done with Corona. I'm moving to Rolling Rock. And they were both done in beer fonts, but they had the empty tomb. Uh, we got like a bunch of backlash off of that. And um, so then we went into a um, we went into a church series called Don't Take the Bait. And we were talking about not taking the bait of Satan. This was not planned, believe it or not. People other than the people that get my notes every week, it was not planned. And what I said was, if you've ever bass fished in North Carolina, um, my, my son's a big fisherman and we were going through his tackle box and in this, in his tackle was like this purple worm with glitter. Now I don't know where in North Carolina you live that you've got purple worms with glitter, but if you find one of those alive around your house, move. Worms are not supposed to be purple and they're not supposed to be glittery. But somewhere somebody threw a line into the water and this bass is swimming through and he goes, Oh, wow, look, a new worm. Now, I don't know what kind of idiot bass this was, but it was the dumbest bass in the pond decided to hit it. Little did he know that there was a hook on the other end. Now, here's the reality that sometimes we make dumb bass decisions, that the enemy throws something out that we know isn't real, but we take the bait anyway. And so I said that if we're really going to be who God called us to be, we have to stop making dumb bass decisions. Evidently, people in our church wanted t-shirts. People outside the church, we got backlash. So the point of it is, is last week we taught, um, we exist to make Jesus famous. How we make Jesus famous is in three steps. Um, we teach people to know God. Now that is not specifically that that... We, you're going to make a decision to or not to follow Christ. That's not our job. Our job as a church is to put you in the tension of accepting Jesus. Like people for, people for a couple of thousand years now have been trying to figure out who Jesus is. Is He the Messiah? Is He just a religion? Is he, 
Our job is to put you in the tension of that. And we don't care where you come from. And we are that church because we're going to do whatever it takes to put people in the tension of, of who is Jesus. Now, the second step in that, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we believe that no is part of the Great Commission. We're going to do everything we can to put you in the tension of knowing God. We exist to put people in that tension. Now, here's the thing. When you exist to make Jesus famous, it stops you from being a jerk. I can't yell at my waitress and make Jesus famous because if that's what Jesus looks like, I don't have anything to do with it. I have to be kind to my spouse because if if Jesus is if I'm the representation of Jesus to the world and my wife is in my world, then I can't be a jerk to my wife or I'm making Jesus look bad. I can't be a jerk to my kids. I can't be a jerk to the people I work with. I can't be like like when I really exist on a mission for a mission, it begins to change how I live. Part of that is we are on the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. It puts people in the tension to know. The second thing which we're going to talk about today is the grow portion. So no grow and go. So this week we're talking about growing. Here's what the word of God said is that growing is all about proximity. It's about the try. It's about try to get close to God. Well, how do you try to get close to God? Well, how did you try to get close to your, your spouse? You remember back in those days? When you like, you like just try to get her to see you? You bowing up and sucking in? Once you married, you let it out. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's hard to breathe. But but you 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 right? And she, she. Now, I'm a product, I was born in the 70s, I'm a product of the 80s and 90s, and here's the thing, back in our day, um, see, y'all get to, this generation sees for free what we used to have to work for. Fact. Fact. Anyway, your starting point was like, anyway, I'm just, it's just, it was different. Um, it, well, that's a different message. But but here's the thing, back in, back in the day, um, girls, they put on their good body spray. Because you know, boys know, men know, that smell, like a fat boy going to a cake, you just like. And she wouldn't hit on us, she would just be there, looking boom, boom, pow. And so what we figured out was that relationships often start from proximity. Just being around, just, just the flirt, just the initial conversation, just the... See, what most of us had a hard time with, was getting the conversation started. Remember guys, you practiced in the mirror? Hey girl, hey girl. But then you get there and it's like, hey girl! Because starting a relationship oftentimes is the hardest thing. Well, the same is through in your faith journey. If you're going to grow in your faith journey, sometimes just figuring out how to get started is the toughest part of the growing process. Now, here's the, here's the relief for you. You're never going to stop growing. Until you die, there's always something else God wants to talk to you about, work on you about, or develop you in. Can we just say that there is no landing pad? Like when you get old, you, you, you're not done. Biblical retirement is death. Until then, you're working for God and He's working on you. Okay, so here we go. So Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, now, first of all, faith the size of a mustard seed. It only takes a little bit of faith to move any mountain, right? That's what Jesus taught. But faith is also developed. Um, I've got a mechanic. His name is Chad. Uh, not this Chad. 
but in a different Chad. And Chad works on my car a lot. And when I first met Chad, I was skeptical of Chad. But Chad's like a, a master Ford and Chevy mechanic. And he knows diesels and he knows all this stuff. And I took something to him and he, he got it back to me. And it was cheaper and fixed right. So I had more confidence. Yay, Chad. Then I took my car to him again with a bigger problem and he fixed it cheaper and quicker. Yay, Chad! Now I buy Chad Christmas gifts because I got confidence in Chad. Can I get away? Like, like, like not only is he my mechanic, now he's my friend. And I sit there and I go, man, but that faith was developed through process. We had, a, we had somebody come to our church and, and, and they were not even sure that they believed that there was a God. And I'm okay with that. I think that we should have people with all kinds of jacked upness coming to our church. I think that we should have all kinds of people with jacked upness coming to our church. I think we should have CEOs that come to our church with, with jacked upness. I think that we should have 20-year-olds, and I think we should have 15-year-olds, and I think that we should have people wrestling with addiction and, and sin, and I just think that's what the purpose of the church is. So anyway, none of us are perfect. And so, so this young lady came and she said, hey, you're not going to believe this. But some stuff was going on. I decided to pray about it. And you're not going to believe this. Like this is going to freak you out. I think it worked. And I'm like, you know what I would do if I was you? Try it some more. Try and see if it's like just because that's the way you're going to build your faith. I can tell you about faith all I want to. But until you begin to reach out and you begin to, to try it until you sample it, you're not going to know if it works. That's why I tell people like, I love reading the book of John because it reveals the real Jesus to me. I don't, I don't want to hear like, like what you think He did. I want to hear who He is. And so, so Scripture says, man, without faith it's impossible to please Him. And He goes on and He says this. And this is the part I want to focus in on. It says, for whoever would draw near God must believe that He exists and that re He rewards those who seek Him. Another translation says those that diligently seek Him. Diligently is a real fancy word for consistently. I... I, I I get frustrated with people that go, I tried reading the Bible once and it didn't work. Well, you may need to do it more than once. I went to the gym once and it didn't work. I ate a salad once and it didn't work. So I guess all salads are... You know what? I, I, I just don't know that I can, I can live that life the rest of my life. I don't know that I can be healthy the rest of my life. Here's what I know. That if I get up and I worry about breakfast and get breakfast squared away, I can worry about lunch. And once I eat lunch, then I can worry about what I'm going to have for dinner. I know that if I get up and I read the Word, and can I just say this? Don't read like chapters. Read verses. When you find a verse that like wrecks you, stop there. Like, like, I never will forget when I first got in the faith, it said, I came to this place and Jesus goes, hey, you know, if somebody does something, turn the other cheek. And I was like, you have lost your mind. You hit me in the cheek. I'm not giving you another one. I am. Mama said, knock you out. My dad said, you don't start fights. But boy, you finish. Come on. I had some people. I had some parents in the house. But Jesus looked at me and said, nope, don't listen to what they said. But Jesus, if you hit me, I want to do bodily damage to them. Jesus, let me show you an excellent way. And it started a change in me where God, I'm like, God, you're calling me to be different. You're growing me. What about this? What about when you read and it says, man, you got to learn to control your tongue. And you're like, well, I'm pretty good. 
Let's find out how good you are. Here's what I want you to do. Turn off all the lights in your house. Find the coffee table with your pinky toe. And you hear the same sound that a nutcracker makes at Christmas. Let's see what comes out of your mouth. Let's find out how spiritual we are. Does this make sense? Let somebody cut you off on the interstate and nobody else is in the car. Let's see what words you yell. What hand gestures you use. Does this make sense? But when Jesus says, turn the other cheek. When Jesus says, hey, let's work these. Now I'm growing in my faith. I don't have to have 15 scriptures to learn. I've got to have one that I'm working on right now. I gotta have this thing that God's called me to, this assignment, because it's about consistently consistency. So how do we grow? Romans 10, 17 says this, but faith comes by hearing, and the hearing through the word of Christ or the word of God, right? So it's all about taking in scripture and applying it. Because if you take it in and don't let it out, it does you no good. If you make all the money in the world but never pay your bills, you're still homeless. You can have all the answers, but answers unapplied are worthless. And so what Scripture said is this. He said, man, you need to, you need to spend time in the Word and you need to spend time with, with devotional time to God. Now, devotional time sounds really weird if you're even inside Christian faith. Like if you're not new to the Christian faith, when you think about, when I tell people that I do a devotion, they get this, this in mind. No. Like I've got a gold chalice full of like communion wine and some crackers. And, and you ever seen the IG post that people do and highlighted passages? Can I be honest? I wish that every day looked like that. But devotional time by definition is time that's set aside with a specific purpose. You can have a devotional time at the gym and it ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. Some of y'all got video game devotion time. Football playoff devotional time. I'm just saying, like, there's time that we set aside. Now, here's what I love. Here's what I love. Devotional time is not this angelic host of revelation. It's just going, hey God, can I spend some time with you? Now, I date my wife. We have a specific night of the week that we go out on dates. Now, some of those dates are pimp. They are like planned. Now, I'm just going to give free in, in, information. Um, not only are we doing marriage seminar coming up, but Valentine's Day is, is soon. Guys, now if you've been married a minute, now if you're just dating, you need to do it on the 14th. It's required by law. If you're an older couple, like, like, like I might be not my wife. She's significantly younger than I am. But, but, but here's the thing. Um, we pick when Valentine's Day is. Because I'm that old man, get off my lawn. I'm not waiting in any lines. I'm, right? So, okay, yep. So, there other, I got a room full of me's. That's what I'm figuring out. So, here's the thing. Guys, here's what you need to do. You need to let your wife know, your, your, your significant other know, uh, when Valentine's Day is for you. Guys, you need to find a game. I don't mean a game. I mean your a game. It involves flowers, a dinner reservation, perhaps candy. Okay, now if you're if you're married, if you're not married, this put the, this is not for you. Pre-married ladies, your job at Valentine's Day is to receive the dinner, the flowers, and the candy. 
Can all my all my people say amen? But if you married, ladies, you need to go see your friend Vicky, and you need to let her tell you a little secret. Okay, I don't know how I got there. <laughs> Here's what I know: that there are so many resources. I really don't know where that came from. There are so many resources for you to hear the word of God. You version Bible app literally will give you like. 47,000 versions of the Bible and read them to you. It's only in the last about 200 years that people could, could, could as a society, read. We, we really worry a ton about how much we read and less about how we consume. I listen to the Word of God every night as I go to sleep. I get up and I've got a, I've got a Bible that I, uh, that I take notes in. It's, it's like a margin built into it. So like my devotional time is different than my message prep time. Because they're two different processes for me. And I have to devote time just to be with Jesus. Because I can be a preacher and leave Jesus in the background. So what do I do? I devote time. I go, hey God, just like I have a date night with my wife, I need a date time with you. Now, can we be honest that not every date night is like every other? Some date nights are not my A game. Some date nights are not my B game. C's earn degrees. Can I get a witness from somebody just trying? Okay. Notice the college and student section were like worshiping Jesus in that moment. But here's the reality is, is sometimes it's just about being consistent in it. It's like this. Sometimes I call my wife and we have this long conversation. Sometimes I'm like, hey, baby, I love you. It's been a crazy day. Talk to you later. Bye. Anybody ever had those? Or like it's a quick text message. Well, can I say this? I would rather stay connected even in those moments that aren't everything I wish they would be for the, for the consistency that happens. And here's what God said. He said, I wrote you a message in text form. Now, I'm okay if you have Siri read it to you. Everybody ever got their AirPod in? It said, you received a text from Adam Bellamy. And it says, would you like to reply? Yes or no? Right? What if you go, hey God, I know that you've got a text and to, I woke up late today, so on my way to work, I'm just going to listen to your word. Hey God, I'm going to make time to pray with you, but I'm not going to have a ton of time today. And it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I'm not devoted to you, but my schedule has changed just a little bit. So I still want to pray and I still want to talk to you, but God, we're going to have to do it in the shower this, this time. Anybody ever had great conversations with your spouse in the shower? Not like you're in there at the same time, which I'm okay with. But like, like, I mean, if you're married, you know. But but my point is, is like, have you ever done that? Like you've been like one of you's in the shower, and you're like, hey babe, did you ever think? And you might have this epiphany in the shower, and you're having like this whole. Okay, I'm on my own on that. So anyway, my point is, is you can connect with God less in this moment and more in this relational moment. Where you're like, God, I just want to be consistent in spending my time with you. Here's what we believe. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and righteousness, that the man of God, man being mankind, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Here's what, here's what we believe as a church. That the Word of God is the infallible Word of God. That yes, it was written by men, but it was breathed by God. And that, that we can trust the Word of God. 
And people go, well, you can't trust the Word of God. It was written by people and translated. Well, here's the problem. Most of the languages the Bible are written in are live languages. So we have literal keyword definitions to everything that's written. So even if you translate it wrong, I can interpret it right. And I can show you how to do it. But what we do is we get worried about minuscule little bits of text rather than getting big concepts that Jesus taught. Well, I won't read the Bible because you can't trust it. Yes, you can. And it'll change you if you let it. It, it. It'll correct you in the areas that you need. It'll build you up in the areas you're weak in. It has the ability to set you free. But here's the thing. Everybody in our society is hooked up in their feelings and what they think. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. If we're left to our own ideas, we fail every time. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. Man, if, if, if you are your ultimate moral compass, you will make bad decisions. You lie to you more than the devil does. Go on, a, go on a diet and talk yourself into a donut. It'll take you 35 seconds. Anybody ever declared a fast and you weren't hungry? Do you decided to fast? And in that moment, you turned into a star of the Ethiopian. You were asking people to sponsor you for 26 cents a day. So here's what I believe. I believe that the Word of God is infallible. Everything that you read has application to your life, and it is the very breath of God. It's the very text of God that He's sending to you. Now, when you trust it, it'll raise you up, it'll mature you, it'll grow you. But besides the Word of God, Jesus left the second greatest hope in the world, and, and that's the church. Now, the church is not perfect. Our church is not perfect. We're not even the perfect church for everybody. But if this is where you're supposed to be, it's it's pretty doggone good place to hang out. It's a good place to grow in your faith. And here's what the Scripture says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day draw near, that day is the end of time. Now, unless if you are blind and in denial, we are in the last days. Like, I can take you to Scripture and be like, hey, watch the news and you're going to see this. Hey, watch the news. Hey, don't be shocked. Here's the next step. Like, it's not even... Like, I quit watching the news because I just started reading the book and I'm like, I know what's coming next. I'm not sure exactly how to present itself, but here's kind of the gist of it. And I don't... I'm not really worried about it. I believe toot toot and I'll scoot, right? I don't study for tests saying I'll be here for. So, like, I study up to the, to the rapture and then I quit, right? Because And so, so what happens is this is people go, especially in our society, well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. So is the gym. So is your family. We don't do that in our house. <laughs> Evidently, somebody did. Somebody did not get that memo because they did it. I never will forget, right after I was married, my dad tried to ground me because he found out I had snuck out of the house all through high school. He's like, I'm like, Dad, are you going to ground me for my job or my wife? And he started laughing. He's like, well, I didn't think about that. <laughs> we haven't been married long. So I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, man, we blame the wrong people. Like, like, like we sit there and we go, we go, man, you see the day coming and people are blaming the church. Well, here's the thing. The church is supposed to be full of hypocrites. Paul said the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things 
that, that, that I wish I was doing, I'm not doing. Like, like, like I'm this, contra, this constant contradiction of what I want to accomplish in my life. And dude, I'm the same guy. Like, like, like I'm like, I don't want to feel that way, but I feel that way. And I, I don't want to wrestle with this, but I'm wrestling with this. I don't want to... I'm going to be fit, but I'm eating a donut. I'm fitting this whole donut right in my mouth. Right like... But in that, Scripture says, but when you come to church, you connect on a different level. Man, so why do we volunteer? Why do we, why do we serve? Why do we do all that? Because we feel like this. We feel like the more time you spend with the body of believers, the better off you are. Not because we think it, but because Jesus did. But here's the thing. You trying to do your own thing, I don't need church. I do it on my own. One, you'll lead you wrong. Two, if you, if you homeschool, you still need a teacher. Because otherwise, you're just going to skip what you don't want to learn. If you'll do it in math, I promise you, you'll do it in your flesh. Does this make any sense? So here's what we do in our church. We're committed to a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, we're getting ready. Next week, we'll have sign-ups for small groups. We'll run small groups for eight weeks, and then we'll take a couple of weeks off. We do small groups a little different. You come in, we do a big teaching. We have you broken up with a small group. Then our prayer is that, one, you don't hang out with just the people you know. You hang out with the people you don't know. And then, I don't know, invite them out to lunch. Invite them out to dinner. Go have coffee with them. And then the next time, we're going to mix all those people up so you got to get to know more people. Because we want y'all connected. I'm not the only person that can pray for you. I don't have an MVP card to Jesus. You are all on assignment by God. And we want to empower you to be the, I don't know, church. The disciples. The people who look like Jesus. And so, so when we look... Um, uh, so we're going to launch that, and and we're starting. Uh, Jay is teaching. Uh, what do we? Ever, what is everybody's number one uh, like? Like New Year's resolution? I'm gonna get healthy. So we're going to teach that. Now, one, we're not weighing you. Ever, there's no shame in this. Uh, it's being taught from a level of couch potato, trying to get some movement and get a little healthier, eat a little healthier, and also recognize that God calls us to steward our bodies well. Listen, I think God can heal my body. I also think He can heal my truck, but I still get oil changes. Like, faith without works is not only dead, but it's stupid. So, so here's what Scripture says. It says, Hebrews 6, 1-2, through 2, it says, Therefore, let us leave elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying, a foundation of, uh, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead work and uh, of faith towards God and instruction about warnings uh, or washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He said, look, man, look, look, once you're saved, you need to go past that. Salvation is a gift of God. It's the most important decision you can make. That's not the fulfillment of the gospel. It's, it's growing and leading other people to that same realization. Does that make sense? Like, like nobody is called to, to sit on a, on a chair. I got ready to say a pew and we don't have them. But nobody, you're not called. That is not your calling. Your calling is not a butt in a seat. If you're here, it's because God wants you on a mission to make Jesus famous and help people know, grow, and go in their faith. Now, here's the thing you don't have to know everything about God to do that. You just got to know something. But once, it, once you learn something, it's time to mature. You can't go to college still wearing Velcro shoes and having your mommy wipe you. You would look at that person and be like, it's time you grew up. I think that what we don't do enough of as a church is go, hey, look, it's time for you to grow up a little bit. 
Now, when you were little, we let you get away with that. If you're a brand new Christian, we'll let you do dumb things. But once you've been in it a minute, you shouldn't look like that same person. It doesn't happen quick. It happens over time. It's that growth process. But you can't, you can't decide to stay. You ever met a, a 40-year-old man who acts like a 12-year-old boy? You ever met a 12-year-old boy that acts like a 40-year-old man? Because age does not equal maturity. Not in life and not in the church. Just because you're old does not make you a saint in the church. It may just make you old. Maturity is how you get old in the faith. Learning, growing, going to the next thing, learning more. You're never going to leave that stage. And I, lo I love this. Um, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, and I promise I'm coming to close. It says, uh, for by this time you ought to be teachers. Why do we have eight communicators on New Year's Eve teach from the pulpit that none of them are in ordination, none of them are in the process? Because here's what we believe, that, that God is calling people to teach the gospel. And we're going to be a part of that process. I think that God is raising up men and women that can communicate the gospel in, in obviously the world's darkest season. Now, you can look at the dark and be all freaked out about it. And that's what most of the world is doing. I look at it as, it's, man, it's easy opportunity. People are so desperate right now, you ain't even got to be good at it. Look, you ever come in from working all day and you are starving? I'm talking about like, if it, if it won't eat you first, you'll eat it. And your wife made something marginal. Like a lot of vegetables or something. You know what I'm talking about? Like, but you don't care. You're so hungry. You don't even taste it. Like you swallow food whole. Just right. Man, that's the world we live in. People are so hungry for truth. You don't have to be a great cook to get them to eat. Scripture says this. By now you should be teachers. And some of you. So, um, and you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food for the mature, for those who have, have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice to distinguish good from evil. He said this, he said, man, part of your maturity is that you have to begin to take stuff and test it. I love this. People all the time come up to me and go, I got ready to do that, but I wasn't sure it was God. First of all, the only way you're going to know is swing at it. I got ready to mow my neighbor's yard, but I wasn't sure it was God. Well, first of all, the devil ain't going to send you to mow anybody's yard. But can I just put that a piece? Mow it. If you're wrong, all it cost you was gas and a little bit of time with John. Dear. I got ready to pay for somebody's food, but I just wasn't sure it was God. What's it going to cost? Six bucks? Eight bucks? Ten bucks? Like, are you willing to have a $10 lesson? Was that God? Hey, you know, I got ready to say this, but I didn't because I wasn't sure it was God. How about you say it and you train? If you're wrong, God will help you clean it up. But if you're right, you'll be like, oh, that's how I do that. Oh, that's what God sounds like. Oh, that's what that is. That's not just me talking in my head. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. This is right. This is, this is how you learn. So here's what, I, what we believe. We believe that part of your grow process looks like this. If we can go ahead and bring that first slide up. 
So inside of No Grow Go, No is a salvation moment. We Every week we're going to bring, last service we had three people come to know Jesus. Can I just get a witness from somebody? Man, people are making decisions for Christ. But but if they once they know God, if that's where we leave them, they, they starve to death because we haven't fed them anything. So what we do is we want to grow. We begin to make disciples out of people who come to know Jesus. And then last we go, hey, once you know anything about Jesus, because you're going to stay in the growth process the rest of your life. Do something. Join a parking lot team. Look, we don't even care if you're saved if you join a parking lot team. You don't got to know Jesus to go. But here's what I know, that by hanging out with a bunch of believers, you're going to be putting the tension of knowing God. Now, we're not going to let you teach. But man, we're going to give you opportunity. And so, so as we leave that, we go, man, so how do I, you know, in that salvation discipleship volunteer in the no grow go, how does that, how does that look like in the church? If I can have the next slide. So here's what we believe. We believe that, 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 that your starting point to really be a part of our church, we don't do membership. We say this, uh, membership is involvement. If you're here, you count. If you're not here, you don't count. What about voting rights? We don't vote. Doesn't mean we don't have leadership in our church. We have conversations. We, we, we operate in the council of wisdom, but we ain't voting. Voting's how churches start duels. And then somebody has to die and somebody's got to get mad and people leave and split churches and have shootouts on the front. It just doesn't look good. So we don't do it. So, so we say, man, volunteer. If you're here and you're a regular attender, you should be doing something. It, can you imagine going to somebody's house and you eat dinner? Anybody ever have that awkward moment when they start clearing your plates? What do you do? If Like, I always go, hey, can I get that? Like, I'll throw my own trash away. I'll even wash my dish. No, 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 you're a visitor. Don't. If you're a visitor, we don't want you to do anything. We want to serve you. But have you ever had a kid or somebody that comes over? Uh, Alyssa's been coming to our house for a while. She dates my son. And, and uh, when she first came in, I was like, hey, let me get you something to drink. Let me fix you something to eat. Na, na, na. Now she's been there a minute. Glasses are there. The fridge is there. The pantry's here. If you want it, get it. I'm not serving anymore. Hey, the dishwasher's there. When you're done eating, drinking, or using it. Why? Because now you're family. Well, if your family here, you don't want to be the... Anybody got that family member whenever the work happens? They're, they're great just to sit there and watch you do it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Don't come in here every week and have people serve you and you don't serve back. Now, we don't want you to serve every week. But once a month, you, you need to want it. It's going to make you come to church. Even when you don't want to. Because if not, you've got to call John, who's a pretty large unit, and tell him you ain't showing up. And we're not saying he'll break your... I'm just kidding. So, so once, you leave, once you leave volunteer, then you go to leaders. We have guides. Guides are basically people that disciple other people. But if you can't show up and volunteer, you're not ready to lead anybody. Because until you can serve, you're not ready to serve on that level. And we have to make sure that your theology is right. And then if you're a really good guide, then we're going to go, hey, we want you to become a beyond leader. What's a beyond leader? Basically, we're going to teach you a lot of the things we teach ordination folks, but it's for people who don't necessarily want to become a pastor and folks that go, or folks that go, I don't know that I do. 
I need to see what God's doing in my life. It's just some advanced teaching. In very few areas of our church, we do create director roles. They're kind of over some of this stuff. And then the last milestone for us is ordination. We think that a, that a select group of people probably have a call of God on their life to pastor. If you're new here, our, our heart is in 2024, we will either plant a new location or a third service. Um, I will not necessarily run that service. Some of the folks graduating from our ordination program will do that. And we will, we will begin to multiply Thrive Church. Our church is not to be, our idea is not to be one big mothership and have everybody come to it. We feel a call to go into all the world, especially serve rural America. And we want to plant churches and congregations that will run somewhere between 250 and 300 people. At that point, we need to start a new church. Because you can't be connected to people much bigger than that. I don't care about having a bunch of goldfish that I don't know their names. You ever go to a pet store and it's like, which fish do you want? This one. I want the gold one, right? I want to serve and I want to lead an organization where our pastors know their people and can serve them well. Um, last slide. So, what does that look like? So, in the big... In the big Stretch of things. We'll have volunteers, leaders, guides, beyond leaders, ordinations, and directors. And then eventually we'll have campus pastors. And then my role will be to serve as the lead pastor. Now, that, that, does, that sounds good, right? Like, you're the lead pastor. What that means is you stand before God and answer for all of it. <laughs> Yay. But i got to do it anyway, right? Our goal is we, wanna, we are committed to God using you. You are the church. You have to grow because the idea is you have to go. There are people who are dying and going to hell because you haven't grown. Because God is calling you to this deeper place to impact your eternity, but ultimately to impact their eternity. Your life is so much bigger than you. Your purpose is so much bigger than where you work or where you live, or, or who your mom and daddy is. It's the God who created you to be a son or daughter living on a mission for a mission. It's to live with purpose and on purpose. When you step into that, it'll change you. So here's, here's the challenge as, as we come to close. I'm going to encourage you to do two things. One, next week, bring your phone. I know I had to say that because, anyway, nobody ever has their phone. We want you to sign up next week for, for small group. Even if you're not interested in eating healthy or exercising, you need to be around Christians. One night a week for eight weeks, you can do anything. It ain't boot camp. I thought somebody would amen me. And Jay is moderately funny. Just playing. Jay's, Jay's very funny, Dave. But you also, if you are here and you're not serving on a team and you come regularly, you need to find anybody. Can I have your serve lanyard, please? You need to find anybody with one of these here lanyards. Find me, find Pastor Tracy. And you need to be like, hey, how can I serve? Because maybe you've been here and you've watched people clear the dishes for long enough. And it's time for you to be a part of the cleanup process. Does this make sense to you? Because God didn't call you to sit on your rear end. He called you to do something. And you matter. 
Can we pray together? Father, as we come to close, my prayer today is that you open our hearts to grow. God, that we invest not only in you saving other people, God, but you developing us into a workforce, God, into a people that you can use to change a generation for Christ. God, that you use us to make you famous. Father, but I also wonder if if you're here today and you're like, Pastor, I'm not where I'm supposed to be with God. Maybe I've never been or, or maybe I've wandered away and today's the day that the Lord's really calling me back. If that's you, whether you're here or you're online, will you just slip your hand up? We just want to pray with you real quick. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Biggest decision you can make in your life. Anybody else before we go that we can pray with? Can we all across, for, for, for the one person in the house that raised their hand and, and those that are online that have probably raised their hand, can we just all pray together? Because we want you to know something. If you're here today and you're going to give your life to Jesus, you're not going to do it alone. We're going to be right here with you. We're going to be here to pray with you. We're going to be here to help you grow. We're going to be here to, 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 to walk you through the trials that come with serving Jesus and the triumphs. Can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me right with you. Today, I thank you for saving my soul. And I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give this person a round of applause? Now, if you raise your hand here in-house or online, Jennifer, I need your tag again. I want you to find... I want you to find somebody with one of these and tell them, hey, I gave my life to Jesus and what I need is a guide. Now, I want you to think about a raft. The great thing about whitewater rafting is everybody's in one boat and you've got a guide. Wherever the boat goes, the guide goes. Smooth water, the guide is there. You paddle good, the guide is there. You paddle bad, the guide is there. You go through whitewater, you go through troubles, you get stuck on a rock, your guide is there. These people aren't Yoda. They're not going to talk in some weird language. What they're there to do is go, hey, let me teach you how to paddle. Let me teach you how to sit in the boat. Let me teach you. And we're very structured on that. They can do it online. They can do it in person. Um, but if you if you gave your life to Jesus and you're like, man, I've got to get out of here pretty quick, email us, amen at thrivechurchonline.com. We can, and just all you got to do is say, hey, I need a guide. If you're here in house and maybe you're embarrassed to connect with somebody, email us. Say, hey, I need that. If you're online and you're not here to connect with somebody, just email us. Man, we have literally, we have like six or eight people waiting to connect you with a guide right now. Because here's what we believe. We believe that once God bursts you, bursts you into His kingdom, He wants to begin to raise you to maturity. It doesn't happen quick, but it'll happen. Can I get an amen? Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.